I was being used by the state, by the state police and the local sheriff, or our, our group was, and on July 28th, I think, of 89. Yeah. Um, I think that's the date that Rose was in. Yeah, yep, that's right. All of my records. So, how did you come about hearing about this pond and a human skull? Well, this was not a very big pond. Well, that was that was where the kids lived or, or were were living were were doing. I don't know. That's where they. That's where they were. You know, 17 years ago, things could change. I mean, that may be a new house. They were all druggies. They were all druggies. So they, if they were squatters, they were probably kicked out of there. You're listening to episode 10 of Leap in the Dark an investigative podcast on the disappearance of Rose Peterson from Hancock, Michigan, who's been missing for almost 30 years. I'm your host, Jill Rebeck. Have you ever worked on a difficult puzzle? Puzzles test a person's knowledge a skill. A person who's good at putting puzzles together looks at things in a logical way. They sometimes work using a system to conquer their solution, solving the puzzle. Puzzles can be entertainment, and sometimes they can require math skills and logistical knowledge. Investigating the disappearance of Rose Peterson is kind of like a puzzle. I have the pieces, at least most of them. I place them in their respected spots, combed over the logistics of where they fit, where to place them. But as I dig deeper into my investigation, unlike a typical puzzle, my puzzle, the disappearance of Rose, seems to morph and change, twisting and diving into different directions. I think that's why I'm ready to divulge the tip I've been withholding from you, the listeners, the people who I suspect care about what happened to Rose. It's the reason I'm reaching out to you, the public, to someone who knows something. It may be a whisper or a rumor or a fleeting conversation that may have happened recently or years ago. I'm reaching out to you to help solve this 28-year-old case and to bring peace to the family of Rose. I told you back in 2000, a tip came in about human remains being found. Those human remains I'm referring to is a human skull that was supposedly found by some teenagers or young adults swimming in a pond in 2000. Um... So how did you come about hearing about this pond and a human skull? Okay, then we need to go back to 
Okay. If you're up to date on the podcast, you're familiar with this conversation. Though I blocked out the part about the pond and the human skull when I released it the first time. go back to the beginning of how I found out about this tip and how I got connected with Sally. So I, in my investigation, I was looking at different avenues and I decided to call up a cadaver dog um, kind of organization. And they weren't really able to offer any help at the point I was in my investigation but they did give me the name of Michael Niger um, the cold case investigator in the UP he's a retired uh, Michigan State Police Officer I've mentioned him in my previous podcast and I reached out to him and he was very nice and, and we had a conversation and he was familiar with Rose's case He's he actually had looked at it Um, which was really reassuring for me uh, that somebody actually had been kind of proactive at looking at it. And he asked me if I had heard anything about a human remains being found, a skull in a pond. And I said, no, you know, I hadn't heard that. I was very interested in looking into it. Um, at this point, I had not received her police file. And so Michael suggested that I wait. I get her police file and I see if it's in it. If the information was in it and if it if it was, um, he would give me his informant's name, which is Sally. And it was. It was in the it was in it. It was in the police file and Sally's name was in the police file. And so Michael connected me with Sally. And that's how I ended up having a conversation with her. So that's kind of where this all started. Um, Sally had coordinates. So she had the actual coordinates of where this pond is. And in my investigation, I decided to go on Google Earth and you know, put in the coordinates and, and Michael had sent me the coordinates. And so I had this pond. Um, so I had, I decided to reach out to the owners of the property that this pond was at. And I'm not going to release who they are right now because I am still kind of, not kind of, I'm still investigating this. I I don't know exactly 
if I have the right pond because I reached out to the owners and they didn't really know what I was talking about. These owners seemed very genuine. I It's a couple brothers that inherited this property from their parents. And I believe the property, um, there's a house on the property right now, is vacant. But when Sally in 2000 and her friend and Rebecca went to this house or I'm sorry, excuse me, property, it was a person living in a trailer. And I had asked, the trailer was near the pond, and I had asked these owners, I, I spoke to one of the owners, and he was very kind, and it seemed very genuine. He didn't really seem like he was hiding anything. He, he didn't re- really remember anything, what I was talking about, but he was like, kind of like, yeah, you can search the pond sure I, I I don't know how there would be like a human skull in there basically is what he was getting at but he wasn't hiding anything and then he gave me the number of his brother and I talked to his brother and he seemed very genuine as well just kind of baffled by my questions which I totally understand if you have some stranger calling you telling you that somebody was swimming in one of your ponds and found a human skull I think you would be taken aback as well. I would be, but he was still very kind and nice. And he's, he didn't remember anything about anybody asking to have their dog swim in this pond. He did. Um, I did ask him about the trailer. Was there a trailer? Did there used to be a trailer on the property near the pond? And he said there was never a, a trailer on his property that he can remember that, you know, but he does know that a neighbor of his, a little bit south of where he's at, has a 40 acre parcel and there's a trailer on it. So I was like, oh no, (laughs) I might have the wrong property. I mean, these are the coordinates that I received from Sally, but these might be the wrong coordinates. And it kind of stressed me out because here I am bothering these people about the skull and it just may not be the right pond. So I reached out to Sally and sent her a text letting her know that I had spoken to the property owners of where the pond was, at least where the coordinates led me. And I told her, I asked her if we could talk because um, I was getting some mixed information from the property owners that didn't sound, it didn't sound like this was the correct location or that there was at least a chance this was the wrong location. Google mapped that um, and and my friend who was there went with us um, is now back in town, so I can try and get a hold of Kathy again and see. Um, I told Sally that the owners of this property told me there is a pond south of them that a man lives in a trailer on that property. 
it's on the west side of the road, just a little bit down from the pond that we had the coordinates for. So it'd be on the west side. Okay, yep. Yeah, it, it's on the west side of the road. So what does that lower one look like, the shape of it? I told Sally the shape of the pond was very similar to the first pond that we had. It was just a little bit bigger. Actually, not a little bit bigger. Three times bigger than the first one. It's long and narrow. And it has a mobile home on it? Well, this was not a very big pond. It was probably, oh, I, I'm not good at estimating. Um, looking at a football field. It would, I would say it would be like 50 yards long by, and it was narrow. It was, it was, um, and there was a drainage out the south end of it. So, okay, well, let me, let me get back to you this afternoon, um, or I will text, let me, let me do it this afternoon, because I, I really don't have time right now, and I will, <clears throat> I will check, I will check the, um, I will check the, the coordinates. In the meantime, you might contact Michael and ask him if he has a better description of the pond from what um, from their yeah their paper or from their their report. I'll get it out. So yeah. One thing that's frustrating about this investigation is I don't live close. I'm in Minnesota. So I can't just go and check out this property on my own. I have to rely on other people. And I also have to look at Google Earth and Google Maps to locate certain areas. And it's hard to tell if there's a trailer on this 40-acre parcel by a pond. But I have to take the neighbor's word for it since I can't actually be there to check it out. Well, this was an old, old mobile home then, and so I wouldn't have been surprised if it were gone. What's across the road from it? Is it like a driveway, or is it actually a boat? So supposedly across the street from the property where the pond is, there was a, another property, and that's where the druggies lived. And they went across and swam in this pond. Well, that was, that was where the kids lived or, or were, were living, were, were doing, I don't know, that's where they, that's where they were domiciled, I guess. Because um, I wasn't sure from what Becky said if they were living in tents or what the situation was. <clears throat> I told Sally that this could be the 40-acre parcel instead of the other one because there was a driveway across the street from it where kids could have lived, and I believe there's people living there now. Mm, okay. 
Yeah. Well, that's if, yeah, that definitely is is it. If um, because there was, like I said, that there was a drive that went in, and um, you know, 17 years ago, things can change. I mean, that may be a new house. They were all druggies. They were all druggies. So they, if they were squatters, they were probably kicked out of there. Okay, so on the on the one that you that you, that you thought that I had sent, is there is there anything across the road from it that has a house by the little pond? What's frustrating about these two locations is they kind of they kind of are very similar in a sense that there's a pond on both parcels and across the street. They're both drives of residents. So it's hard to know exactly which pond is the correct one. One there, too? Okay. I'm trying to look at Google, or I was trying to look at Google Earth and describe to Sally exactly what I was seeing, but it's hard. It's hard to gauge how big things are when you're looking at a computer screen and not actually there. Is it the size of a football field bigger? It's the one, the one with the, the mobile home is south of the one that you're seeing. Okay. Let me, let me check on it this afternoon. Um, okay. Sorry about that, Jill. All right. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. So now the waiting game started. I had to wait and see what Sally found out from her friend Kathy. And I kept texting her, wondering if she had heard anything from her yet. And she hadn't. So I decided to reach out to this other property owner, who I suspected probably is the correct person that Sally asked if if her dog could swim in his pond because he lives in a trailer on the property the pond is there and so I decided to reach out to him so I sent him a message via Facebook and he was out of town but he gave me his number so I called him And the conversation was very bizarre. And that's putting it lightly. I I can't play his voice because I didn't ask for his permission. Only because he came off super defensive right out of the gate. Um, He called me a scammer and what was I talking about and I, I was very nice to him. I said that this is a situation. I'm investigating the disappearance of a missing person from 1989. And he told me that the pond, he dug the pond in 1983. And I said, okay, but this person disappeared in 1989. So I'm not sure why he thought that was relevant. Um... And I asked him if he remembered if a woman came to his residence and asked if their dog could swim in his pond. And he kind of didn't answer me. He just said, and I said, this is what happened. 
that supposedly teenagers or young adults were swimming in a pond and they found a human skull because they were druggies. They didn't want to call the police because they must not have had a good relationship with the police. So they just put the skull back in the pond. So I told him this and he said, nobody ever told me anything about a skull. And I said, well, has anybody swam in your pond? And he's like, just me and my son. And I said, okay, could your son have had any friends swimming in this pond? And he gave this bizarre, creepy chuckle. And I wish I could play it for you because you would get a better sense of what I'm talking about. And he just basically said that I, I was coming up with a bizarre story or something, something along that lines in that I'm a scammer and that I better not go on his property. And I said, sir, I wouldn't go on your property unless I had permission. That's why I'm calling you. And he said he would never let a dog swim in his pond because he hates dogs. Um, Right there, I didn't like him because I love dogs. And um, he hung up on me. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure I got the right guy. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's his pond that a human skull was found, if it was found. I mean, I I don't have any concrete. What I need is somebody to come forward who saw the skull. Because obviously this man is not going to let me search his property. And the police aren't going to search this pond unless somebody comes forward and says that they found a human skull. So that's where I'm at with the human remains situation. Sally is still in the works of finding out the exact pond. But um, because of the weather and everything in the UP, um, her friend hasn't been able to venture out to check it out. But I'm hoping um, she will be able to do that and and give me the exact location just so I can confirm that it's this man's property. I, I have a hunch and a sus- suspicion and a gut feeling that it is his because he was so aggressive and defensive. And maybe just he's a crabby old man, maybe. I have no idea. But he was extremely rude and kind of creepy. So that's where I'm at on the human remains. So that's where you, the listeners and the public, come in. If you live in the UP and in 2000, you were a teenager or a young adult and you heard anything about kids finding a human skull in a pond, I mean, that's something that people remember and it's most likely something that people talk about. If you know anything, please reach out to me because it's really important. It could be Rose's remains or it could be somebody else's. So I'm putting it out there. If you've heard this story, if you saw the skull, reach out to me or go to the police. Go to the Michigan State Police and let them know. And maybe they'll be able to search the pond. 
I wanted to apologize for getting episode 10 out late and for not really reaching out to all of you listeners. I, I, I just want to say how much I appreciate you guys listening and I've gotten a lot of messages from people and people willing to look into stuff for me and helping me out and I'm very, very appreciative. Um, I know there's a lot of people in the UP who care about Rose and care about missing people and their community and I just wanted to say thank you. Part of the reason I'm late on this episode is because I'm having tech issues. Um, I'm not super tech savvy and I've gotten, I've invested a lot of my own money. Um, I'm not getting paid for this podcast. I'm doing it on my own uh, basically for free (laughs) and I've um, spent my own money on new sound equipment. And so I'm, I have to kind of teach myself how to use it properly um, just so I can produce better podcasts for you guys. So I apologize for that. Um, I got a little discouraged a week ago. There is some, some stuff going on with the investigation that has kind of um, just made me kind of in a, a bad mood. Um, and people, some people that I've trusted, like, have been withholding information from me. And some people are leaving me in the dark. And I just kind of checked out for a little bit and I just needed to kind of step away because I invest a lot of my own time into looking into the disappearance of Rose and I know other people um you know are are invested in it as well and I just wanted to apologize for getting this this episode out lately or late I'm sorry um a while back Deb Lydala Rose's niece she had some questions for um, somebody I interviewed named Tony. Tony knew Rose from Willow Hall, and Tony thought she was the last person to have seen Rose alive that that she thought. Um, I believe now in the investigation, as far as I know, she wasn't. Um, that actually Rose left from Vicky's house who worked at Westside Adult Foster Care Home. But um, there's some twists and turns in this investigation, so I'm not even sure if that's where she disappeared now. I mean, I I think so, but it, it could be turning in a different direction, um, but I'm not sure yet, so I'm looking into that more. Anyway, Deb had some questions for her that she wanted to have answered, and... I was able to get some of those answers for her. For her. But, um, do you want to go into the her answering your questions right away, or? Yeah, we may as well. What's that? So we may as well. Yeah. Okay. So. Actually, I, I kind of forgot what questions I had asked her. Yeah. So <clears throat> I told her. I. I asked her, I asked Tony, I said, I'm not sure if you're still listening to the podcast, but um, I said, Rose Peterson's niece had some questions for you in episode six. Would you be willing to answer them in an interview? And she wrote, she said, depends on what the questions are. Give me a heads up first, then maybe. 
And I said, she said she is still listening. Um, uh, Let's see here. Well, I knew she was still listening. Yeah. Okay, she said... She said uh, you can ask me the questions she wants to know. I'm not going on the podcast. She said, I think it is funny that she thinks I am hiding something. If I were, why would I get a hold of you in the first place? Um, You can write her questions here and I will answer them when I can. I can't go on Facebook because then she will know my name. And besides the family and anyone else don't know if she went missing from Willow Hall or West Side or the place she went for dinner. That is where I think I would look. Did she go missing from there when she walked out? Did she say anything to the other person who went, who I think she meant who went there for dinner also? Um, And I told her, okay, that's fair. I said, I think she is just wondering why you didn't go to the police right away. And I told her I think she saw Rose on Wednesday and that Rose disappeared on Friday from the from the house she was having lunch at. And um, so she said, I just know I saw her, really don't know if I were the last to see her. I was really in counseling for alcoholism and mental health for the loss of my brother. It wasn't that I went to counseling just for Rose. It came up because it bothered me that she is lost. I didn't think of going to the police back then, but have no problem doing it now if it helps. Not that it will help anything. So any questions that Deb may have, I have no problem answering them. Just been wishing all these years they would find her safe and sound. So that's what she said. That's it. So I think if I had to go with my gut, I don't think Tony is hiding anything. I think Tony had been harboring these thoughts of maybe she was the last one to see Rose and she didn't do enough to stop her and maybe that was guilt on her behalf. I think that Tony saw her on Wednesday and I think it was just a coincidence that she was at Willow Hall and Westside the same week that she disappeared. Um, So that's why I think Tony thought she was the last person to see her. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I just, I don't know. Just something about her bothers me. I, I can't put my finger on it, but I don't know. Okay. And I'm, you know, I'm not the only one that has thoughts about that, about Tony. Because I, I mean, I've discussed this with other people and we all kind of, I don't know. I mean, it is a little odd that she didn't come forward right away with the information when she knew Rose was missing, but maybe it just wasn't, I don't know, maybe it just didn't seem like the police didn't come and ask them any questions, so maybe it just didn't seem pertinent, you know. 
I don't know. I don't know. I'm not her. I just know what I think, and I don't know. Right now, I'm, in my opinion, I'm not ruling her out. Well, it's hard to trust. It's hard to believe anything, anything anybody says, you know, because, you know, you just are left with so many unanswered questions. There are so many people that are telling us things, and then we get to a dead end, or we find out they know stuff, and they won't tell us. Right. And it's not right. No, it's not. It's been twenty. It's been twenty-eight years. Right. The thing is, is somebody just doesn't vanish. I mean, she made it forty-one years without, you know, wandering off in the woods. And 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 you've said, and her son has said that she wasn't the type of person to go in the woods. She would. She was a very kind of easily scared person. It seems. So even in the broad daylight, the woods would seem kind of sinister. Right. I mean, I would not. I wouldn't go in the woods in the day during the daylight by myself, even. No. I mean, the only way I would go in the woods is if my boyfriend was with me. I mean, otherwise, I wouldn't. Right. I wouldn't want to either. I mean, the woods in kind of general seem kind of scary. Even in the day. I get lost easily, so I have no sense of direction. <laughs> Especially in the Upper Peninsula. I mean, the woods are just so dense, and there's just, well, you have all those animals, and I mean, there's probably bears, and. There's a lot of streets that have no street sign names on them, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's very odd to me because. You know, somebody had to have seen her leaving that that woman Vicky's house off of Caledonia Street in Calumet. And 41 wasn't far from that. It was a couple blocks. So somebody had to have seen which way she went or There there has there I would say there is foul play in this. There has to be there's just no way. You uh, cannot up and disappear without help. I believe there's foul play. Like, I just don't think that she wandered off in the woods and died. I, I just can't. I can't see how that could happen. And if she were to commit suicide, I, I believe she would have done that somewhere where, where they would have found her body. So she would have gone back to Westside and swallowed a bunch of pills or whatever she wouldn't have wandered off in the woods and no and so this this tip you know the tip that i've talked to you about about human remains being found right so there has to be somebody that remembers seeing these remains if they were seen there has to be somebody that remembers it because that's just something you don't block out. and that somebody that somebody needs to come forward and stop being whatever they're being and just i i don't i just don't understand it's been 28 years why why not just say it just put it out there 
great. Quit hiding. I'm. This is so frustrating. Oh, definitely. I mean, your family deserves to close that chapter and and not have that wandering that the unknown you know I mean that's I mean it it's it's proven that it 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 delays the process of families moving forward you know because you're always stuck in the the unknown the no question or no answers to the questions you have and or people or people have the answers and they won't give them to you right they say they can't by law they can't Bullshit. After this many years, yes, they can. After 28 years, who cares about the law? Right. Have a heart. They'd want to know if it was them. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that's what people need to do. They need to put themselves in your family's shoes and, you know, what, what would they do in this situation? And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm kind of at a loss. I mean, we know David Goodrow is a possibility. And so I'm working toward finding out that answer, whether it be interviewing him, reaching out to him. And so hopefully we'll get some answers there. But if it wasn't David Goodrow, then who was it? You know, who picked her up? Who maybe saw her as a vulnerable adult and maybe hurt her or maybe somebody accidentally hit her with their car and hit her body? I don't know. Maybe maybe even... Something accidental. Somebody did something accidentally, and they were afraid to come forward, so they did do something. That's right. a possibility. Oh, definitely. Especially on that busy road, if somebody were drinking, and people can be drunk in the broad daylight too. You know, I mean. Oh heck yeah! There's a lot of that around here. All day long, and maybe they accidentally looked down and looked up, and there she was, and because that cadaver dog. Sally's cadaver dog did pick up a scent in that area off of 41. It wasn't, you know, there definitely wasn't a body there, but there could have been a body and it could have been moved. So say she, she, she was hit by a car and her body was in that area and then they disposed of her body. Um, that's a possibility. Yeah, a lot of alcoholics in this area, so, yeah. Right. So. Somebody did something. Yeah. No way in the house she went, she she would go in the woods and take a bunch of pills or do something. Plus, somebody would have found her if she had done something to herself. Right. I just, I can't, um, I can't see her wandering in the woods and dying (laughs) I just I can't see that because I think she was I mean of course I didn't know her but from everything everybody I've talked to in your family and and other people that 
knew her, she was a very timid and and easily scared person. I think some of us led a sheltered life. Right. So that's where your fear comes into. Definitely. And and having a mental disability, you know, I mean, it gives you a little bit more of a childlike, you know, outlook on things. And for somebody who maybe is a little bit slower intellectually, I mean, they're more likely to be scared easily. I mean, I know my cousin Tina, she, um, she gets scared easily. And, you know, I could see, I could see that Rose would be, you know, too scared to even attempt to walk in the woods. More next time on episode 11 of Leap in the Dark. Thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 10 of Leap in the Dark. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a review. iTunes, you have to leave reviews. The more reviews that you get, the more you move up and the more people find out about your podcast. So I would love it if you guys could leave me a five-star review and um, help me move up on the charts on iTunes. Also, check out Facebook. Follow me on Facebook, guys. That would be awesome. Also, Instagram. I need more followers on Instagram. You guys, get over there. And if you're not on Instagram yourself, you'll love it. I love Instagram. So go over there and follow me, Leap in the Dark Podcast. Again, want to apologize for getting this episode out late. I was in a funk, an investigating funk, (laughs) working my way out of it. I really hope you all have a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I know I'm looking forward to it. I want to thank Sally, my informant. Um, She's awesome. And Deb Lydala. Deb, you're amazing and you're always willing to lend a hand in this investigation and I I know you really do care about Rose and about finding the answers of what happened to her. Like I always say, if you know any information regarding the disappearance of Rose Peterson, please contact the Michigan State Police at 906-337-5145. Thank you.